From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm David Schultz. There's a lot going on with taxes on a global scale, and that's an understatement. It's been a while now since the OECD reached a deal to transform the way taxes work across international borders, but implementing that deal has proven to be not so easy. Into this situation steps Marna Ricker. This week, she became the global vice chair for tax at EY after having spent nearly three decades at the company. We brought her onto the podcast to talk through her thoughts on where she thinks this OECD deal is heading. Marna spoke to Bloomberg tax reporter Michael Rappaport about that and about her new role as a leader within the big four. Let's let's talk a little about the OECD global tax agreement, which obviously is going to be a uh, I'm sure a major focus of yours. Yeah, it's it's hit some roadblocks. Do you think it's ultimately going to go through? Well, I'm an optimist. Uh, I'd probably say that, Michael. Uh, so look, I think you have to break that into its its two parts, right? You have pillar one and you have pillar two. And so so maybe I'll take the one that uh, that maybe I'm that gives my optimism a, a brighter a brighter light. So on pillar two, look, I I do you know think it's incredibly important that um, you know we companies gain certainty, right? They love certainty, they crave certainty, and I think there's been great progress, obviously, made on pillar two in the inclusive framework. So I would I would give that a a, a much higher likelihood. Uh, from my perspective in, uh, in ultimately moving forward. I think, you know, we've seen a lot out of the EU in the momentum around that. And, and certainly their desire, some very big countries, you know, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, um, and the Netherlands, you know, saying that they intend to move forward. They've, they've obviously released a uh, statement around that and trying to, to move that forward accordingly. Let's talk a little bit about the picture outside the U.S. As you know, uh, Pascal Sanamans is leaving as the OECD's, uh, the head of the OECD effort behind this agreement. Uh, Hungary continues to uh, uh, object on, on the EU side. Uh, developing countries have the concerns about the agreement. Uh, but I take it from what you're saying that you think that they'll be able to get past all of those uh, all those obstacles. So look, I, I won't try to predict uh, ultimately where that will come, but I like I said, I um I am an optimist about that. I, I look, I I do think that you know, the comments and the companies around the world are, are, as I said, looking for that level of certainty. And it seems to be a, you know, a bit of a, a merging of, a, of points of views and opinions about a global minimum tax. And, and that would certainly, you know, help everyone have sound tax policy going forward. We're obviously seeing things come forward out of countries like Germany, right? So you're, you know, you're able to put forward a proposal at an individual country level, as opposed to the inclusive, you know, in the framework of the inclusive framework, but, um, but you know, on your own. And so we're going to see that come forward. And I think that ultimately could lead to, if we're not careful, you know, double taxation and uncertainty ultimately for companies. And so, so again, that's why I'm going to remain an optimist um, in, uh, in getting, to, uh, getting to that outcome. On, on the U.S. side, and on both Pillar 1 and Pillar 2, there are there are obstacles. On pillar one, you 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 have a uh, the apparent need for a tax treaty that's going to require two thirds Senate approval, which is a, a very a very heavy lift these days. And uh, on pillar two, uh, the fact that uh, guilty the U.S. minimum tax on foreign income is not aligned with uh, the global minimum tax, and there was nothing in the uh, Inflation Reduction Act that would that would do that. I mean, do you see the the U.S. Ultimately, getting getting past those obstacles. Yeah, um, I think again, you you always ask good questions, of course, Michael. And so, so look, you're you're exactly right. We did, you know, we ultimately did not get certainty um, on uh, on the guilty U.S. guilty rules in the in the IRA. And so, you know, getting closer to that pillar two design is still on the table. Um, to your exact point, we we did, however, I mean, the one thing I would ultimately say is that we did get a corporate alternative minimum tax, right? And so, you know, some movement towards, you know, a, a and obviously, you know, it's a 
the book book income more similar to what we're seeing, obviously on pillar two, uh, book design, and it has a fifteen percent minimum tax, you know, a top up tax associated with it. So while I agree we didn't get guilty harmonized, uh, we did uh, we did ultimately get a corporate alternative minimum tax. That I think is a bit of a signaling. So so look, but I but I do think um, right now uh, as a result of not, us not getting harmonization on U.S. guilty, there is a lot to be done um, by uh, by obviously our taxpayers here from a corporate perspective and and understanding what that looks like. It's been suggested uh, that the book income tax could be a, a, a bridge or a way of getting to uh, the changes that would align align guilty with the, the, the OECD's global minimum tax. Do you think the, that the U.S. and the, 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 both Congress and U.S. companies could ultimately decide to shift to pillar two to make sure that the U.S. does get at least some of the revenue from those payments that our companies are going to be making anyway? Yeah, I I think that's that's exactly right. I think Michael, as we think about how that might unfold, I th- I do think you know the, as you know the U.S. is a worldwide tax system, uh, and uh, and the other you know many of the other countries are certainly not that, and so that fact pattern where ultimately they could land in double taxation without getting this fixed, I think is is high, and so it needs to stay on the radar, you know, ultimately as uh, as as legislation unfolds here in the U.S. What happens if and I know you said you're an optimist. What happens if the U.S. Ultimately, doesn't decide to join. I mean, is there a danger of double taxation? Does the whole thing come apart and, and other countries start imposing their own digital service taxes again instead of the uh, the pillar one reallocation that was supposed to replace them? Yeah, yeah. And so I look. I think the EU has been pretty clear uh, that it intends to move. You know, it intends and, and has a desire to move forward on pillar two. So, I, like I said, I do think that they'll continue down that path. And it, and ultimately, if we don't come to a resolution on it, we will be in a fact pattern where countries like a Germany, as I said, have already put forward what their point of view is and how they intend to tax profits. Um, so I do think that's challenging. On pillar one, let's jump back to pillar one. Uh, that you you asked that as well. You know that is that is not as far along as you know from an inclusive framework perspective. So that is um, you know I think that's going to take a lot more work. And you know hopefully we'll stay on track for a multilateral convention in mid twenty twenty three. Right. So not not too far away from now. Um, but I think there was a lot of work to be done. There was a lot of uh, a lot of comments, a lot more comments, right, that that have been put forward, and a lot more things to think about in the design and arriving ultimately at an inclusive framework. But what I worry about for Pillar One in particular is that you know we go back to a world where all the countries uh, design and start taxing um, on their own, and so I think that's very difficult. That would that would cover far more than the hundred plus or so that are in the current Pillar One, you know, based on a revenue and a profit perspective. And so I, I just think that'll be far broader, uh, you know, maybe more challenging for for our you know for taxpayers to navigate. So so again, I, I hope that we continue to uh, to move forward in the context of what that might look like in a, you know, in, in led by the OECD from a framework perspective. Uh, let's turn to the uh, to the Inflation Reduction Act. One of the things it does, as you know, is give the IRS uh, a lot more money to try to beef up its enforcement efforts and get its operations in order. Do you think that's going to help? And, and what kinds of uh, what kinds of issues and problems do you, do you see that uh, that extra funding addressing? Yeah, so you know, I, I do. It's obviously a very, very significant amount of dollars that the IRS has been looking for, um, and uh, so it's nice to see that that get addressed, right? As our tax authority for for the U.S. and and you know, a, a leader in that that globally. So I I think there's two big things, right, that they will be likely focused on. 
their technology, right? So to build larger and more effective auditors and to enable those auditors from a technology perspective in exam. You know, I think that's one. And then obviously they're focused on customer experience, right? And what that looks like. COVID taught us a lot about all of us, about customer experience and and how we handle things electronically versus mail, you know, how we do phone lines versus chatbots, a lot of things that are, I think, are incredible assets um, that uh, the IRS will be able to move forward on uh, now with uh, with obviously additional funding. So so I'm, I'm excited to see what they do um, and what's to come and, and how they think about those two things in terms of systems and technology and customer service. Now, as you know, um, uh, the Treasury Department has a lot of uh, regulations to write coming out of the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. What do you expect their approach to be? Do you, do you think they're going to aim to be expansive, to include as many, as many companies, as many situations as possible and maximize the amounts that will be taxed? Or do you think they'll be more limited in their interpretations and thus perhaps more, uh, more favorable to companies in, in, in terms of how they uh, 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 interpret the scope of those, uh, those provisions? Yeah, I think like, look, I won't predict what they'll try to do. I'll, I'll leave that with them. Uh, I think that's probably best. But look, I, what I do think is is incredibly helpful about our, our about Treasury, obviously Congress, is, um, you know, they, they seek uh, consultation, you know, when they they want to have perspectives. And so I, I think that's that's quite helpful, uh, quite frankly. And, and I think that they'll do, you know, that same thing here in talking to many corporations, obviously, to uh, to many other experts in the area. And um, in, in the, that nuance between, and I want to come back to this on as we think about corporate alternative minimum tax, and we think about um, pillar two, you know, the concept of book income, serving as the basis, you know, ultimately for for taxation is new. And that is very, very complex. You know, we're working with many companies on Pillar 2 in particular. It's it's over 200 data points, you know, some of which you already have, but many of which you do not have. You know, payroll is an example, lots of lots of employee data associated with that and benefit data associated with that. And that is really, really different and very unique. And so you're going to do a regular taxable income calculation, and you're going to do a book taxable income calculation. And so companies are really preparing for that, obviously, first on the pillar two side, but but now obviously with the corporate alternative minimum tax coming on the horizon. So, you know, look, I, I think, again, uh, we tend to see the tax authorities around the world seek consultation, you know, when we're moving to new concepts like that. That was Marna Ricker, the new global vice chair of tax at EY, speaking with reporter Michael Rappaport. And that's it for today's podcast. You can find up-to-the-minute news and latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax was produced by myself, David Schultz. Rachel Daigle is our editor. Our executive producer is Josh Block. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. In a global tax landscape that changes by the day, it's what you don't know that can leave you exposed. At Bloomberg Tax, we provide market-leading intelligence and practical applications to help tax professionals work smarter, faster, and more accurately. Our solutions provide the insights you need for game-changing outcomes. To revolutionize your performance in real time, the difference is Bloomberg Tax. Learn more at pro.bloombergtax.com.